I think the world would be a much better place if people accepted their dark side. Welcome to Rose Feather Skull, a podcast highlighting stories from fascinating artists and entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Tim Cofield. We have Erica Scoggins here talking to us. She is a talented producer, writer, director, sound editor, and we're going to focus in on what she's got going on. How's it going? Pretty good. Um, so the first thing, you were just in France. Tell me what you were doing there and how it went. Yeah, uh, drank a lot of wine, mostly. Um, but we were there Cheers, at- Cheers, by the way. <laughs> yeah, thank you for the tequila. Um, we were there for a short film festival called Clermont Front. Uh, it's in a town kind of in central France. And so that's where we world premiered our last film, The Boogie Woman. And um, yeah, it would creep some people out. It's about a girl's first period. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was good. I had some meetings about a feature film that we've got in development right now. And um, yeah, kind of a working celebration. It's awesome. I love Boogie Woman. It's the first thing I saw that you've written. You wrote and directed it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched it again last night. And <laughs> I, I, I'm just like, yeah, the cinematography, the sound design is really what got me. And I watched the whole credits and I'm like, oh, yeah, Erica did the sound designs. That's rad. my favorite part. I yeah. love, um, I think there's a lot of uh, attention given to the image and then sound can often be like an afterthought. And for me, I'm, I'm, I really like sound and animation, which often uses disparate sounds. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, this wouldn't be knocking on a table. It'd be like some other crazy sound, um, mm-hmm. like a ball against a wall. So it'd be these two, this image with a different sound that doesn't actually match. So I like kind of stealing that and using that in, with live action. Yes. The- yeah, that's yeah. leather creaking. The, is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're actually going to show our viewers a clip, okay. if that's cool. Yeah, We're going to show sure. our viewers a clip of Boogie Woman. Check this out. So, you know, I'm a cinematographer. The, the cinematography is so amazing. Tell me about, like, there's so much to say. Cause last time I saw you, it was the day before you were going to France yeah. for the film. And now it's a couple months later. And you told me about your German cinematographer. Tell me about him and how you met him and how he came to Chattanooga. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's a good segue to like filmmaking in Chattanooga. So um, I went to grad school out in LA and I did an exchange program with um, the DFFB in Berlin. And um, so I got kind of paired with this guy, Albrecht. It's like the first German person I ever met. And um, he was, you know, trained over there and it's a professional school. You go there and you stay in school as long as you, until you make a thesis film. So he was working professionally and, um, you know, going to classes. And um, we, so we worked together on a film and did really well together and just gelled. And um, so I was working on my thesis film at CalArts and mm-hmm. I basically asked him like, you know, do you want to shoot this film? It's extremely visual. It's kind of trippy. Yeah. And he was really into it. And so he, he came over. I, I helped him with his plane ticket. And he brought a, a first AC over. And, and we shot in Chattanooga um, at Zarzars. Mm. Um, so most people here know Zarzars. Um, and um, Charleston, Tennessee. And just a, a, a kind of myriad of places around here. Um, and it was an incredible experience. We all stayed at my parents' house on the river and it was like summer camp for adults while working. 
Um, it got out of hand sometimes, but we got the film done. So. <laughs> what that that's that's awesome. And then he and that same crew worked on this on your second short film, yeah. right? Yeah. So we yeah. all became such a family, um, and. So I sent him the Boogie Woman script and I was like, do you want to make this? And he was like, yes, I want to shoot this too. And he was like, let's make a feature. And I'm like, okay, I'm writing it. Be patient. And really quickly, tell us about what he did with the gels in the skating rink and how they responded. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we shot at um, Roller Coaster Skate World in Fort Oglethorpe. And um, that place hasn't been updated since the 70s probably. Uh -huh. And um, they have, you know, irregular like skating rink globe lights. But they also had these fluorescents that were just ugly and bright and so we um, gelled all of them and uh, the owners of the skating rink liked it so much that they bought the gels off of us and they're still there so it's a little bit more like dreamy and, and nicely lit I love so, that yeah I love that so um, like one of the most interesting things when I found it someone told me do you know Erica Scoggins and I was like no but I looked you up I was like well, wow. like you're not just a filmmaker and writer stuff. You're like an artist, a visual artist. I love your 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 drawings. Thank What's you. your um, Instagram name, by the way? Red hair, red pants. Red hair, red red pants is yeah. your Instagram. Okay, so the drawings you have on there are very uh, just like they're dark and brooding. Like <laughs> why why is like why are you drawn to that like that style? I think the world would be a much better place if people accepted their dark side. Um, I think. Growing up in the South, especially, uh, we see a lot of people like pretending everything's good. Um, but those people who are really looking at their, their dark side and the dark side of where they're from and what's happened in the past and, um, you know, just the hard questions about being a human. Um, I think people will be a lot more empathetic and understanding of each other. And I don't know if when people look at my drawings, they would think all those things. They're probably like, why are these women all scary and, um, you know, dying of anorexia? Like, they're, they're just creepy, kind of ghostly women. Um, but yeah, I think I'm just, I, I don't feel like the time it takes to make a film or make a drawing, it's, it's not something that I want to... Um, you know, I don't. I, I love comedy. I love kind of uplifting stuff sometimes. Mm -hmm. But when you're really putting your heart and soul into something, I, I want it to be challenging, and that's definitely going to be apparent in the next film. <laughs> so yeah. How did the shopping go for your feature? Um, good. So we're really early in the process. Um, I when we're done with this, I'm going back to the script writing, but. Um, we met with some companies over there that are interested. So we're interested in maybe doing a Euro European co-production. So we would shoot it here. Okay. Uh, and potentially do, yeah, in, China, in and around Chattanooga. With a crew from? With similar crew. So I'd have the same DP. Germany. Um, yeah, and then we would maybe bring on a producer um, from either France or Germany. Yeah. Or do post-production over there. So um, something about Europe is all like in the European Union people do co-productions all the time with different yeah. countries coming together and it's hard to work with the US because our funding structure is do you different. Speak, do you speak German? Uh, no. Or? Nine. Nine. <laughs> I know how to say that I'm lactose intolerant in German and French and that's it. <laughs> that's important <laughs> if you're lactose intolerant. Yeah. <laughs> so part of the uh, cathexis thing is like focusing in on you know amazing people doing amazing work but also how that relates to this town that we live in 
And so I kind of want to get your opinion on several different things about, for one, like you're from Cleveland, just north of Chattanooga. You spent most of your life in and out of here. Like you've seen the, the, the growth that's happening right, right now and the development. Like what is your take? I want to know your take and your perspective on what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that... Like yeah, so the good and the bad. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I got you. Um, so I I moved after high school and I was gone for about ten years. Yeah. Um, living in Nashville and L.A. and in Denver briefly, and then I came back here about two years ago, and um, the thing that brought me back was the feeling that uh, well, first of all, I wanted to shoot all my films here, and even when I was living in L.A., I was shooting here, um, because everything I do is set kind of in this um, Southern Gothic setting. So. Um, Moved back here because of its accessibility. I could live here and afford to travel um, and make films here. It's much more accessible in terms of locations and people being really excited about being involved in a film. Um, and there is this sense that uh, getting it back here to my roots now before what seems to be a potential um, kind of blow up in terms of growth. Um, it just felt like the, the city had come a long way from my angsty teenage, get me out of this place right. mindset. Right. Um, and to where it really felt, felt like a place that I could come back and meet the other people who are doing work here and become part of a community, as opposed to swimming upstream um, in a highly established, highly competitive um, place that gave me anxiety, honestly. Like <laughs> Los Angeles? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so um, it just, it didn't sit well. I, I really loved going to school out there, but it didn't feel like home in my bones, mm. so. But you had to go out there and try. Yeah. And you got your education there. Yeah, and it was never really my my goal to go go to Hollywood. I just, of all the schools that I was interested in, that was yeah. my, has always been my, my first choice, and it was magical. But once I was done there, I didn't feel like there was... There was much more waiting for me here yeah. than, than out there. That totally makes sense. If okay, here's a question for you. If if Chattanooga like lost you, like if you decided to move away, because I'm sure it's entered your mind from time to time. Uh, more like let me take a trip because I've seen the same people every day. Okay. For <laughs> three weeks. Wow. So you don't have too many problems issues with living here. No, I like. Um, I think if I were to move. Um, say for work, it would be Atlanta. Um, just because, you know, the film industry is not quite here yet. Yeah. Um, but clearly you're starting something, so. Well, so, <laughs> you know, yeah, a lot's happening right now. But it sounds like you're, this is like a home base. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's affordable. It's easy to shoot places without location permits. Yeah. People are excited about but you're but you still are not relying on just the city to support you right, right. yeah so i mean clearly my dps from berlin but right. that doesn't mean there aren't great dps in the area um we just have a, you know established relationship but um you know i pull crew from atlanta and nashville when we shoot because we just can't fill all the positions mm. here in chattanooga yeah um so I'm thinking that will change, um, but I don't know, you know, at what point. What's it like being a female director, writer? Do you still, are people <laughs> like, um, 
do you get shit? Tell me some dirt. Like, are, um, are people really receptive or do you, do you encounter any kind of... Um, you know, <laughs> someone who barely knows me and was across the dinner table from me at a party once um, said, oh, you're a director. How, how do you do that when you're, you're so, so like small and soft-spoken? And the two people get- beside me who know me were like, just think about your response. And I was like, well, I'll just let my friends explain. And, and my boyfriend, Dakin, was like, so, you know, he just kind of launched into like his explanation of who I am and what I do. And I was just like, you know, it wasn't an offensive question and, you right. know, like straight, straight on, but it was like, he wouldn't ask a man that. So it's in that way, mm-hmm. it is sexist. And so I was just like, you don't even know me. Mm-hmm. First of all, like, I'm not that small. <laughs> and if you have a crew that respects you and cast that respects you, you don't need to be yelling. And that's just a stereotype. So there's that. Stereotyp- stereotypical <laughs> director. Yeah. So if there were like some young female uh, want to be filmmakers, I'll say it in a different way. Like if there's any, if you had a message to any, like if some young girls watch your your films and they're like, oh my God, how does she do that? How does she get there? Mm-hmm. Like, I want to do that. Like what piece of, what, what would your piece of advice or message be to like, to them? Um, this is the best time to be a woman trying to make movies um, because everyone has recognized that uh, it has been an absurdly male dominated um, position. Mm-hmm. And I always want to be really clear and say like, like more women directing films does not mean we demonize male directors or say that, you know, they got where they are because they're men, because that devalues really important work. It's just that there should be more diverse voices. Um, And I would say educate yourself, work hard and deal with issues that are hard to deal with because otherwise it's just not really worth the time and effort. You gotta really give a shit about what you're doing. Yeah, you you have something to say. When I was watching Boogeyman last night, I felt like it was like, I feel like she, I was trying to get in your head, like how you wrote that. And I was like, I feel like she experienced some of these things. And when the lights go out, spoiler alert, when the (laughs) lights go out and you hear the the leather tightening or the shrieking, the Mm -hmm. shrieking when the lights go out, I felt like, to me, I was like, I wonder if those are like the pains of, you know, what you feel. Yeah, so I deal a lot with symbolism. So, um, you know, everything that happens to the main character, you know, she gets her period at this all night skate party and these strange things start happening and they're kind of symbolic of her body's changes. And then society's changes around her body's changes, which, you know, should be her own, just her own issue and her own thing to work through without shame or... Um, people are fucking mean. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's such a stigma around it still. I mean, you'd think people want to say like, oh, racism doesn't exist anymore. Sexism doesn't exist anymore. And it's like, it does. It's just, it's, it's so coded and like ingrained that it's not so out in the open anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of even scarier, honestly. (laughs) Right. Because it's still being fought. Mm-hmm.
What's your take on Chattanooga's identity? I know that's a huge question, but like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what do you, that's, I, a, that's a, yeah. What do you, what does that make you think of? I think of this kind of like outdoor, I mean, that's kind of what's projected is like, go here to, you know, see the great outdoors, go see Rock City, go paddleboard in the Tennessee River. And there are all these beautiful things that are put out. Um, but one thing I, have known as a fact all along, but really was just so blatant to me when I came back is just how segregated we still are. Um, people who come and visit from Atlanta or some of my actors who came from out of town, they were like, where are the black people? Like, there are not people of color. There are not, um, you know, like mixed crowds in places a lot like a lot of places you go I mean every once in a while there's like a few people of color but it's um in most other cities it's it's more of a multicultural situation why do you think that is I don't know because I grew up in Canada and I I moved here 12 years ago and so I'm still going through culture shock do you experience the same thing well, that's a whole other show. I could talk a lot about <laughs> living in Northern Ontario and, and growing up near a reservation and the same issues, different. Mm-hmm. Um, different flavor. Different flavor, exactly. Mm-hmm. What I want to see and what um, my partner Dakin, who's, he um, is a restaurateur and a real estate agent, he really wants to see um, more people of color owning properties and owning businesses. Um, and because a lot of the places that a lot of people go in Chattanooga are just, um, a lot of people get priced out of restaurants, of venues. Um, and a lot of times the wealth divide is about property. And so that's one way that he's kind of starting to work on trying to get, um, yeah, just like who owns the land that we live on Mm -hmm. to be more multicultural and more diverse um, instead of, you know, everybody renting from a handful of like wealthy white people. What's his name? Dakin Cranwell. And does he have a like organization that is, Um, or is it just him? He's he's a new agent. So he's working on, um, you know, with some other partners who are hopefully going to maybe buy up some property and and make it more accessible. Cool. um, Yeah, that's kind of like a long-term goal and it's in the works. But I know that that is, Another thing that we've kind of recognized about Chattanooga, too. Um, and banks not uh, loaning to people of color, which is a huge problem um, in multiple places. So, yeah. One thing I would love is just to tell me an anecdote of, I don't even know, just a story. Mm. Not like a, um, one of the most powerful things that you've experienced. I know that's like completely open. No, I mean, I got... I got a few of those. <laughs> well, let's hear one. Um, yeah, okay. So my first film, The Sacred Disease, or the first film that I actually wanted to show people, <laughs> so I call it my first film, um, it's based on my experience with temporal lobe epilepsy. And I started having these episodes in college where my I would get this strange sense of deja vu, but not like regular deja vu, not like, oh, this has happened before. Like, I feel like we've been sitting here. It was coupled with this profound sense of fear 
Mm. My stomach tightening, um, this feeling of foreboding, like something horrible was about to happen. And then um, like my left arm would twitch a little bit and my perception, like if I was looking at you, things would kind of like expand and contract, like Alice in Wonderland-esque. And then I would have this moment where, this is the part I don't really know how to explain. This is why I made a movie about it, is because language just kind of fails me, but it's like, I would know the thoughts that I was about to think, and it would be like a series of like sentences or, or just random words, but I, it, I felt like I knew everything that was coming, but it wasn't coming from me. Like I wasn't actively thinking them. And it was like, it's like someone taking all of these thoughts and cramming them into my head. And I knew that I couldn't stop them. I had to think them all the way through. And then I would have sometimes these like, not hallucinations, but like very clear, like mind images, almost like a dream with my eyes open. And then I would like kind of, everything would kind of like melt away and I would um, usually like be crying or like mm. confused and really, really tired. And that happened over the course of two years or maybe like a year before medication, like 36 times. And um, I know because I wrote them all down. <laughs> um, and I realized through seeing a neurologist and neurosurgeon that it was a, a type of epilepsy. And it's this very specific type, temporal lobe epilepsy. Um, supposedly Lewis Carroll had it, so Alice in Wonderland was based on his experience with that. So these kind of like weird names and weird language that's used in that, um, in his book, and um, weird images and changes in perception. Um, yeah, I don't know, the, those were the most extreme, like otherworldly experiences I've ever had. And, and they happened in the most mundane places. Like I, they started happening in Spanish class in college. So one trigger, um, what I found out was one of my triggers is um, like tip of the tongue. Like when you feel like you know a word, but you can't think of it, you're like, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. That happens a lot when you're learning another language and that like effort or you know strain on my brain that very specific thing would um would cause this to happen sometimes and you know on top of like lack of sleep and and these other things but yeah that um was a very interesting I thought I was going crazy a little bit until I figured out what it was and um yeah Wow, and, you've and you're accomplishing all this, like even with it, like how, does you still have episodes? I, do I still don't, I don't have many more. So I, um, it was a real, it was a problem when it was happening, but I started taking this medication that ended up being awful. And that's what the movie is about. Is like, she's on this medication that makes her sick. So why shouldn't she just be the sick that she already was? which is a whole nother you know, can of worms question, but... Um, the Sacred Disease. Mm -hmm. Can people watch that, this film? Yeah, the right sacred now disease? it's still online. So if you go to my website, okay. it's, it's on there, um, which is just ericascoggins.com. ericascoggins.com, yeah. okay. And, um, and 
Boogie Woman is not on there. Boogie Woman is not released yet. Because it's we're still, still in the circuit? Yeah. Festival circuit? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ah, so. so. Man, is yeah. there any time that you, in the future, that will be public? Um, yeah, it will be in the future. Um, we are maybe going to, um, well, we're showing in Atlanta next month at Atlanta Film Festival. No kidding. Yeah. So I can go to Atlanta yeah, and watch, you can go and to Atlanta watch and it on the big it. screen? Yeah, Tuesday, April 9th at 7 p.m., I believe, at the Plaza Theater. April 9th? Yeah. I can see Boogie Woman on the big screen. On the big screen. 5.1 surround. Can I get that subwoofer? Yes. Um, Thanks so much for... Yeah, but eventually it'll be... Cool. It'll be on. Thanks for sharing that story. Yeah. um, Like I said, I have no secrets, so... (laughs) But yeah, I mean, well, just to, you know finish with your question like I my condition was not nearly as bad as a lot of people's like I would have two or three a day at the most and then I could go a few days without one mm-hmm. um, and the only thing I really couldn't do is drive and during that time um, but some people have hundreds in a day you oh. know, need surgery to live a normal life and so I was lucky in the sense that I insane you know that it's weird but can't I, like me explaining it is like, you know, yeah. doesn't doesn't come close. So that's why I made a movie, <laughs> and um, you know it's kind of a symbolic uh, retelling of these like specific symptoms. So yeah, it's yeah. very trippy. Yeah, sacred <laughs> disease is so trippy. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing that. Yeah. And thanks for like doing this on such short notice. No problem. Yeah. Hey, I'm like. At my computer by myself all day writing, so this is a really good break from that. Good. <laughs> yeah. Erica Scoggins, go look her up online, check out her work. I'm there. Google me. Google her. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed this episode of Rose Feather Skull. If you'd like to keep up with me and my work, you can find me on Instagram at t.g.cofield. That's T as in Tim, dot G as in goat, C-O-F-I-E-L-D. Until next time, keep chasing the light.